All right, it's good to be back with you. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving meal. Um, If you've got a big family, then you probably saw some folks that you don't see very often. And with big family meals, there's usually someone that enjoys making a scene or saying something completely off the wall. And you know what I'm talking about, right? It's usually an uncle. In my family, that's me. <laughs> uh, my, my nephew and niece would probably agree. It's usually me. Uh, so our story today is actually like that. Jesus gets invited to a dinner party, and this dinner party is full of drama. And so we're going to read about it. It's Luke chapter 7, beginning of verse 36, which will be up on the screen. It says this, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. So the Pharisees were popular religious leaders. They were known for their emphasis on personal piety. So what that means is they, they considered themselves to be expert law keepers. And the people believed them to be experts at keeping the law. Verse 37 says, And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, it is commonly taught that this woman was a prostitute. And that may have been true, but it was not necessarily true. There were actually many women carrying perfume like this. They would wear it around their neck. And I think it is more likely, personally, that this woman was known as simply an adulterous woman. Someone who had the reputation of being sort of a homewrecker. Either way, whatever her sins were, What she does here is completely shocking. She crosses all sorts of cultural barriers by doing this. You have to understand that even letting down her hair in this setting was scandalous. Something like if you were to wear a bikini to church, okay? Not socially acceptable. And that is what every other man at the table sees. What she's doing is outrageous. It's embarrassing. But Jesus lets her do it. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet... He would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now notice that he doesn't say this out loud. He says it kind of under his breath. 
but he immediately judges both the woman and Jesus. He has this attitude of superiority. You know, what is wrong with this woman? What is wrong with this rabbi? I would never do something like this. I would never let something like this be done to me. And so because of his self-righteousness, he is completely blind to what is actually happening. This woman obviously doesn't care what they think. And neither does Jesus. Verse 40, Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Now I want you to notice that Luke didn't tell us the name of the Pharisee until now. Jesus provides his name. I want you to also notice that Jesus proves himself to be a prophet by answering Simon's private thoughts, right? Simon didn't say this to Jesus, and yet Jesus discerns his heart. And he says this, verse 41, A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. And I love that Jesus uses the word judged. Okay? There's a bit of comedy here because the question that Jesus asks him is extremely simple. A young child could answer this question. You don't have to be an expert in the law, right? 500 or 50, which one's bigger? And yet Jesus tells the important religious leader, you have judged rightly. It's a little funny. But it's also important to recognize that both debts are rather large. Now one of them is shockingly large. But both of these individuals owed a lot of money. Verse 44, Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Now I want you to remember Simon was supposed to be an expert on keeping the law including all of the customs and rituals of cleanliness that the Jews obeyed. But 
He had failed to show Jesus the basic hospitality that was required at that time. Each of these three things were expected signs of a good host, especially if you're hosting a rabbi. You were supposed to receive your guest with a kiss. You were supposed to anoint their head with oil. You were supposed to wash their feet. And Simon did none of this. This woman did for Jesus what the host was unwilling to do. And maybe she did it because Simon had a reputation of not being a good host. But more importantly, this was an act of repentance. From a distance, she came to know Jesus was a man of compassion. A man who has already said he has the power to forgive sins. She was drawn to him. She ignored all social conventions to demonstrate her love for him. And Jesus is not embarrassed by her at all. Is he? He defends her. He exalts her. He was willing to let everyone else at the table judge him harshly for her sake. Verse 47, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. He said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What a powerful story this is. And it might be my favorite in the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to say that probably 20 times, but this one might be my favorite. The first thing I want you to notice is that loving this woman did not require Jesus to ignore her sins. That's not what it means to forgive sins. That's not what forgiveness means. In fact, Jesus publicly admits that her sins were many. Did you see that? In other words, He's saying to the table, she's exactly the woman you think she is. She has committed many sins. Jesus says that plainly. And so for us, if we read this story and we were to walk away thinking, well, Jesus doesn't think sin's a big deal. See what He did there? Then we've completely missed the point. The point is that Jesus loves and forgives her even though her sins were many. If we deny the reality of sin, then what we're doing is we're gutting this beautiful story of all of its meaning Jesus is approachable. 
and compassionate and kind. But the impact of the story is created by the amount of debt the woman brings to him. We have to see that. And she obviously knows this, right? She's not coming to Jesus denying her many sins. She's not coming to Jesus defending herself. She's not coming with a list of the good things that she's done. I know I did this, but look at these things that I've done. She doesn't do that. She comes in humility, and she falls at Jesus' feet in tears, weeping, but somehow believing that Jesus would receive her anyway, expecting nothing, but somehow knowing that He had the power to forgive her. She was drawn to Him. Do we understand that we too come to Jesus with a great debt. Every single person in this room, it may be 500, it may be 50, but it's a big debt. We come to the feet of the only one who has the right to judge us for those sins. And do you understand that that's, that actually is the real scandal of this story? And the other people at the table seem to recognize this. They ask an obvious question, who is this who even forgives sins? Now, because you all have heard about Jesus so much, and you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you've heard this your whole life, we don't understand that question. Because we know Jesus is the one who forgives sins. But put yourself in their shoes. This is a flesh and blood man, a rabbi, sitting at the table with dirty feet, just like them. And he says to this woman, your sins are forgiven. And it confuses them. It's the obvious question. It's a valid question because let me ask you, if this woman, let's assume she committed adultery. If this woman committed adultery, who had the power to forgive her? It would be the one she sinned against, right? The man's wife, perhaps. If Jesus was only a rabbi, then He did not have the power to forgive this woman on behalf of someone else, did He? But Jesus is actually declaring Himself to be something more than a rabbi. And He's changing the way that we normally think about sin and repentance. And there's a hint of this in the Old Testament in the story of David. David commits murder and adultery, he's confronted by the prophet Nathan, and then David writes Psalm 51. 
a prayer of repentance. Listen to what David says. He says, and this is earlier than when our brother read. It says, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Notice David says to God, Against you and you only have I sinned. And we might ask, David, what about Uriah? What about the man that you murdered so that you could sleep with his wife? Didn't you also sin against him? Didn't he also sin against Uriah? And here, listen, please, the the answer to that question is technically no. What he did was wrong. It was horrible. It was terrible. But do you understand that the word sin is a spiritual word? It refers to our relationship with God. The Bible teaches that only God can forgive sin because sin is an offense against God's law. We didn't write the law. God did. Adultery is an offense against God. We don't get to explain it away by saying, well, you don't understand what was going on, and it was consensual, and yada, yada. No, it's an offense against God. Murder is an offense against God. Lying is an offense against God. Disobeying your parents is an offense against God. Stealing is an offense against God. Gossip, bitterness, envy. We can explain those things to ourselves to make us feel better when we go to sleep at night that we did them because, you know, you don't understand what my life is like or whatever, right? But no, they are offenses against God. Sin always involves other people, but the offense is always against God. Jesus is able to forgive sins because He's God. That's the claim that Jesus is making by forgiving sins. And the other men at this table were more shocked by that claim than by anything this woman did. It's easy for us to miss that because of the way we read with our English modern minds, but I'm telling you, they were more shocked by Jesus saying those words than what that woman did. They stopped thinking about her sin and they focused on Jesus. And that is where we find the gospel. Jesus takes their disdain for this woman on himself. He becomes the object of judgment instead of her. And that's exactly what happened at the cross. You understand, they crucified Jesus for claiming to be God. 
But it was God's plan that Jesus would become the object of wrath for sin instead of us. Because forgiveness of sins requires atonement. There's one last thing I want us to notice. It's easy for us to see how Jesus loves the woman. But Jesus loves Simon too. Now Simon was a terrible host. He was self-righteous. He insults Jesus publicly. But think about how Jesus responded. Now you might think that the loving thing to do would be just to ignore the insult, to ignore the drama, focus on the woman, let that be that. Just let it go, right? But that's not what Jesus did, is it? Jesus responded to Simon with brutal public honesty. Jesus is fearless and direct. He tries to reach Simon's conscience with this parable. He invites Simon to look at the woman, to see her with different eyes. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He is confronting Simon's self-righteousness in love. He's giving this sinful man an opportunity to repent as well. An opportunity to see himself also as someone in need of forgiveness. And so do you see the heart of God? He is both tender and bold when necessary. Sometimes He gently invites us into the kingdom with forgiveness and grace and kindness. And sometimes He smacks us in the self-righteous noggin and says, wake up. Jesus actually loves them both. And yet one of them is clearly closer to the kingdom than the other one. And so my question for us, church, is what about us? Where do you see yourself in this story? You are either a sinner who clearly sees your sin. You are well acquainted with the fact that you have failed. Or you are the sinner who doesn't yet see your sin who considers yourself to be doing a pretty good job. And both need the grace of God. One just doesn't know it yet. Is that you? Is Jesus confronting your self-righteousness this morning with this story? Is He confronting your self-dependence? Is He showing you your debt? The response is the same. Repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, we believe that you came to earth to bring us back into a loving and permanent relationship with the Father. From all eternity, you were moved with compassion for the lost. And you made this plan that the Son would become the object of wrath, that you would take the place of sinners and ransom us. Gracious Father, we ask for the power of your Spirit to see our sin, to know that we bear a great weight, a great debt, and that the only place we can leave it is at your feet. And so we come in humility and we fall before you and we lay the burden down. We expect nothing except what you have promised in your word. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within us that our tongues might confess. Renew the joy of our salvation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and sing.